Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us in the name of Jesus. Amen. God makes himself known. And that's the entire purpose of his revelation to us, that we have the Bible, we have church, we, we have this congregation because of that fact, God makes himself known to man. God has shown himself to the world. And it is his desire for us to see him and to know him so that by knowing him, we may be saved by him. And this is made most clearly known to us and revealed to us most beautifully in the coming of Jesus. As God is born into the flesh, God comes from heaven to earth to redeem sinful man. Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in various ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And so this is what we have in the celebration of Christmas. We have the trees and the manger scenes. We have the advent wreaths and the gifts and the parties and the extra church services and the carols and the hymns. We have all of these things because God has made himself visible to man. He has shown himself to us. He has given us his gracious appearance. And in that appearance, he saves us. And that has always been the plan. God has always desired to reveal himself to fallen man. The Son of God has always been mankind's Savior from the very beginning. And we see this in how he continually speaks to his people. He makes himself known. Even before his wonderful birth in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, Jesus speaks to his people. He makes his plan for salvation known to them so that they can believe in his promises and be saved. And there are so many occurrences of the Lord appearing, speaking to, and helping his people. From Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament is filled with the Son of God acting and working by the will of his Father for the good of his people so that they might be saved. And so this evening, we focus on one of those occurrences. We will focus on it because it reveals Jesus as the Son that is promised. In our Old Testament lesson this evening, we see the Lord coming to visit Abraham and Sarah. As the Lord had spoken to Abraham many times before this, we, we call this type of speaking theophany. It's where God speaks and men hear his voice and they're blessed by his word. So today is something quite different. As we read in our lesson from Genesis 18, it wasn't that just God spoke to Abraham out of thin air. God didn't reveal himself to Abraham in some unincorporated voice or some vague dream. He speaks directly to Abraham. He does something personal. He comes to Abraham in form of a man with his two companions, and he speaks words of assurance and comfort. 25 years in our text, before this meeting that we read about in the Old Testament, God did speak to Abraham. He told him to leave his father's house, go to the land that God would give to him. He promised Abraham that he would have a son who would bring forth many offspring so that the land that God was giving to him would be filled, and that filling would be a nation of descendants. 
God said, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. So arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. And Abraham believed. He trusted in the Lord's promise. He got up and moved. He dwelled in the land that God had promised to his descendants, and he waited. He waited for a son to be born from him and Sarah, his wife. And now we have Abraham at nearly 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, was nearly 90 years old. And there was no son. The promise of an heir for Abraham seemed laughable. And this is why the Lord comes. The Lord comes to Abraham in his 100th year to assure him of this promise. He comes to assure him that God had not forgotten Abraham. He comes in person. He comes to be seen by Abraham, to eat with him, to look him in the eye as a friend and tell him what's going to happen next. As he says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Why is it that God comes to repeat the promise in this way? Why would God not just simply speak to Abraham in the way that he'd done every time before when he said, Abraham, go to this land, go to this place, go and live here. Here's my promise. I will repeat it to you again. And the answer is that Abraham had to see the full nature of the promise. The purpose of the son that Abraham and Sarah were supposed to have went beyond just the the happiness and prosperity of Abraham and his descendants. There was a greater purpose at work and a much older promise being kept. The promise that was spoken to Adam and Eve in the garden that there would be an offspring born of a woman who would save the world. There would be one who comes to crush the tempting serpent's head. He would undo sin. He would conquer death. He would destroy the kingdom of the devil. And Abraham's offspring would be a step that would lead to that final seed of Abraham. And so St. Paul writes in Galatians, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. And it doesn't say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring who is Christ. The birth of Isaac, Abraham's son, had more at stake. The salvation of the entire world, the forgiveness of sins, the very love of God were bound up in the birth of Isaac. No Isaac, no Jesus. How hopeless life would have seemed for Abraham with that thought rolling around in his head. Think about it. It wasn't just that he was childless with his wife, but that he was without the hope of eternal life in his Savior if this baby wasn't born. God would not allow Abraham to remain in such hopelessness. Certainly Abraham had reason to believe that he was no longer worthy of the great promise and honor that God had given him, He certainly had messed enough of it up trying to make the promise work on his own. To save his own skin, he gave his wife to Pharaoh in Egypt for a time, telling everyone Sarah was his sister. And then he had that affair with Hagar, 
though sanctioned and instigated by his wife Sarah, that resulted in the illegitimate birth of Ishmael and much strife within his family. And he had failed to see things the way that God saw them. He failed to wait for the promise patiently. He failed to understand how the promise would come about. And it is times like this that doubt can easily worm into our hearts. We can ask ourselves, well, maybe if I failed this much, how could God ever deliver anything good for me? My failure has disqualified me from receiving God's gracious gift. I'm unworthy of the promises of God. And the, the scary thing about that statement is it's, not tr it's all true. It, it's true for Abraham. Abraham didn't deserve these blessings and these promises. It's true for you. We deserve nothing from God. We say sometimes, oh, I have great faith, and then I follow it up by acting faithlessly. We say we believe in the promises of God, and then we live like, well, they're not our final and perfect hope in this life. If things depend on us, how deeply we believe, how faithful we are, how bold we could be, think how much we would be disqualified. It doesn't. That's the good part. It doesn't. The promises stand upon God's gracious will and love for us. As the scriptures say, this is a trustworthy saying, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will de de deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. God would not let Abraham live in despair and doubt of his gracious plans and blessings. No. God would not break his promises. He would repeat the promise in such a way that Abraham would be left without a doubt. And so he appears to him in the flesh. God shows himself to Abraham, not as a disembodied voice in the ether, not as a dream or a vision, but as a man. And as a man, he comes to him and he speaks his promises to him. He looks him in the eye and he tells him the truth. And Abraham believed. He believed the laughable promise that a hundred-year-old man would have a child with his 90-year-old wife. And that miraculous birth would be the first of a nation of descendants from which God himself would choose to be born through. And the beautiful thing is that Savior does come into the world. He does come to accomplish everything that he promised Abraham. The same God who ate with Abraham under the shade of the oak tree was born in Bethlehem. That promised child was born to be the Savior that Abraham hoped in. Indeed, Isaac was born, just as the Lord said, and Christ the Lord is born as well. As Jesus speaks about his relationship to Abraham and the promise, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. You see, the descendants of Isaac, the descendants that came from Abraham's family, they eventually had grown cold to the promise. They thought they were it. They thought that they were saved simply because they were part of Abraham's family. They were from that promised nation of people, but they forgot the ultimate hope of the promise. 
They forgot about the Savior who was supposed to come. They forgot that they were sinners in need of a Savior. And in this way, they were nothing like their forefather. Abraham never forgot that he needed the grace of God and the promises of his salvation. Abraham was constantly looking forward. He was looking forward to his promised Savior so that he rejoiced to see it. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the response they gave to Jesus was, well, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone, which, by the way, wasn't true. How is it you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What's Jesus saying here? I'm the son of God come to set you free. Jesus does not speak these words as one who doesn't have any authority. He speaks them as the one who keeps the promises he gives. He is the same one who spoke to Abraham. He's the same one who promised the birth of Isaac. And he speaks to them about their life and salvation. He comes to free men from their sins. And he affirms this by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He is the God. He's the God who promised to come at the very beginning. He's the God who spoke to Abraham and carried out his promises. He is the Lord who led his people Israel out of Egypt. He's the Lord who established his people as a kingdom. He is the Lord who brought his people out from exile. And he is the Lord who is now born to save them. And this same Lord wants us to know him. He wants us to know who he is and what he does for us. That's what he's proclaiming to these hard-hearted people who are denying him in our text today, and that's what he proclaims to us. He wants us to know of the great love that he has for his poor, fallen, sinful creatures. And how does he show it? By taking on flesh. By being born to die for sinners. He comes to take away the sins of the world. And that's what Abraham longed to see. And this is what we need to see. As God reveals himself in this way so that we may believe in him, that we may trust in him and be saved. As the scriptures teach us, Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so also we can receive this righteousness that comes by faith, by believing in his coming. As it says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so we join with Abraham in looking to our God who comes to us. We look to Jesus who is the child of promise who was born in Bethlehem. We look to the one who saves us. He's the one who sets us free from sin. He's the one born to die for sinners. Abraham sees this Lord, and he's glad. And we see this Lord, too. We see him through his word of promise. We see him through the eyes of faith. We see his birth, his righteousness, his life, his innocent death, his glorious resurrection, his ascension to the Father, and his promised return with the same hopeful eyes that Abraham saw the birth of his son 
and later the birth of his Savior. God affirms our faith in this promise by repeating it to us. He says it over and over and over again. As the Lord Christ comes to us through his word, he speaks to us. He washes us. He feeds us with his body and blood. And he affirms and strengthens our faith in him. God showed up and spoke to Abraham. And he does the same thing for us. Our God is not a fleshless, distant, far-off, uncaring being. Our God is a God who bears our flesh. Our God is a God who comes to live in our midst. Our God is a God who makes his dwelling place with man. We'll read on Christmas morning from John chapter 1, as the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So just as God came and spoke to Abraham to strengthen him in faith and assurance and bless him with the promises, God comes to us. He comes to us to help us cast off all unbelief and doubt and fear. So hear the word of the Lord. If you have doubt, if you have uncertainty, if you think God has forgotten you, listen to Jesus. God does not forget his promises. God wants you to know him and to trust in him, to know his goodwill and love toward you. So trust in Jesus. As the scriptures teach, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance and faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, and let us hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. God shows his faithfulness to Abraham by showing up and keeping his promises. God shows his faithfulness to you by showing up, being born of a virgin and dying for your sins. He will do it. Your sins are forgiven you. The promises do not depend on you. Believe it. God is faithful. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you keep your promises. You give us full assurance of your faithfulness through the preaching of your word. Help us, dear Lord, to trust in you and believe in what you have done for us for the sake of the promised child who was born in Bethlehem. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds and the true faith to life everlasting in the name of Jesus. Amen.